Welcome to episode 13 of Cartel Conversations, the podcast of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel. I'm your host, Tom Conboy, and with me on Skype this evening is my fellow co-host, Ian Holmes. Hello, Ian. Hey, greetings, Tom. Yeah, happy to be out of our cold snap of the past few weeks where temperatures plunged to minus 40 Fahrenheit with the wind chill. At least it kept me inside and allowed me time to work on, on my layouts because I had a uh, enforced day off work. It was so cold that uh, my office building closed, so I was left alone and had like eight hours in the basement to work on some projects so i'll talk about that in a minute but i'm really excited today to record this podcast because we have a special guest coming on we've got renowned micro layout builder bob hughes to join us good evening bob hello ian hello tom thank you for inviting me it is good to have bob hughes on tonight as we introduce the show we'll have an interview coming up a little bit later on as we always do in the show at the very beginning, we're going to talk about some of our layout projects. Ian, what's been going on on your end? Well, you know, it's still a little bit difficult to get motivated around here with no train shows in sight. You know, but I've started working on Cuddle again uh, with some mixed results. You know, uh, because I did so much work in wood on that uh, seven-eight scale project, I decided to use wood on some bits for cuddle i made the uh, sliding workshop door from basswood you know and it looks great you know even unpainted when you like lay it against the brick wall of the uh, workshop that it's going to be on it gives the structure more purpose it looks it lifts the building you know i've just been looking at a plain brick wall before with a doorway in it and now i've got a door to put in front of the doorway it looks really cool then I uh, had a go at making the tipping chute for the main factory building. And um, yeah, well, uh, even though the dummy worked perfectly, when I came to make it from wood, it didn't fit. I couldn't get it in the hole. And then I realized uh, I'd forgotten to allow for the thickness of the uh, wood as opposed to cardboard. And then when I'd fixed the sides to the base, I'd fixed the sides to the side of the base instead of the top of the base. So with the thickness of the wood and fixing against the wrong surface, it was like too wide. So I had to make another one. Hmm. Tell you what, uh, I'm glad it's not minus 40 where I live. I thought minus six was cold. Minus 40 with wind chill. No, thank you. Uh, Bob, I hope it's not that cold in England. No, no, quite mild here. Okay. <laughs> well, don't rub it in. Okay. So, anyway, on my end, uh, my layout uh, has been a little bit on hold due to my parking lot project that I'm working on. Uh, the lightweight spackle is uh, really taking a long time to dry. I was able to get a little bit of sanding in on it. As I was doing that, a few areas began to peel. It's almost like clay, and it just started peeling up from it. So I thought it might be best just to go ahead, uh, set it aside, and let that thoroughly dry. But it's shaping up pretty good. The sanding really kind of helped blend things in. I've got a few uh, uh, G-scale potholes in it I'm going to need to patch. But other than that, it'll all blend in. It'll just look like somebody coming in with asphalt patch. And uh, it should work out real good. And I need to start painting the track, weathering the track, and putting down the ballast. I just haven't been in the mood of that. So, and with some other issues trying to keep water pipes from freezing here on my end, uh, I just have been busy with other things. So, 
unfortunately, it doesn't look like I'm going to get all that scenery done uh, by the end of February like I was hoping to do. Anyway, it is what it is, so <laughs> we'll pick up from there. Uh, hopefully so, in March. <laughs> so, so are you using regular spackle or lightweight spackle? Lightweight. Yeah, because I lightweight use lightweight spackle. spackle and it dries really quickly. But then again, yeah, I'm up here in Minnesota, which is like a totally different climate to you down in in Missouri. It's climate not been as hum- mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not been as humid here. But you know, I'm beginning to wonder if it was the India ink and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Or even the, uh, I use the acrylic paint. I don't know if maybe the blending that in, uh, well, you know, the alcohol, I use the, what is it, the 90, 90, 91% mm-hmm. isopropyl. And that should have evaporated fairly quickly. But I'm not sure if it might have been the paints, because uh, I did use a little bit of acrylic paint in it. Mm-hmm. And just a combination of the things uh, is causing that. So I'm not really sure. But uh, better safe than sorry. I, I really do not want to have to do that again because. That was yeah. a me- that was a mess, and uh, I've got it all worked out pretty good now, and so I just figured, hey, it's all right. I'll let it sit aside and wait for it to dry. Today we have a guest on the show. We are joined by one of the most prolific micro layout builders. That's Bob Hughes. Bob and I's paths have crossed many times on model railway forums over the years, and I like to think that uh, if I'd still been living in the UK, I'm sure we would have met in person many times at shows, and maybe even drank a pint or two in the bar afterwards. So it's great to actually say, hello, Bob Hughes, uh, welcome to the show. Hello, glad to be on it. I was just going to say hello, Tom, as well. Yeah. Hello, Bob. Because I haven't got Tom in picture. I've got Ian in picture, but I haven't got Tom in picture. <laughs> well, that's because I have my picture off. I have a face for radio, so that's the best way to describe it, okay? <laughs> so we got to start at the beginning. With At the beginning, Bob, what's your earliest memories of model railways? Oh, well, when I was a little toddler, we had uh, a battered old tin plate clockwork presume it was O scale, um, that used to run on the front room floor. But uh, my mother decided it was dangerous because it had sharp edges on it and it got consigned to the bin. Um, Christmas 1961, I think it was. Christmas, I got a, a Triang train set, which was the, the little 040 Nelly, mm-hmm. with a couple of wagons and a brake van. And uh, that's what set me off on proper model railways. With, uh, electric control instead of a key to wind it up oh, oh that you still have the tin plate now what would that be I, worth eh? i haven't i've got some t- old tin plate but it's not the original stuff I, I don't even know what make it was i don't know if it was hornby or something else but i can remember it, it had a it had a streamlined steam engine which only had four wheels it was sort of like an a4 body on an on a uh-huh. chassis <laughs> Uh, round and round and round and made a lot of noise. Uh, oh, it didn't matter what the, what shape the train was back in those days. Scale modelling wasn't, uh, wasn't no, it was, the thing. It was a train on the track going somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, oh, that we still had that innocence sometimes, you know. And um, when I was a child, my parents used to live next to the railway line mm-hmm. into town. So I can still remember steam working on the goods train. Ah, electric, but I can still remember steam goods. Uh huh. So, because you did actually, you worked for the railways, didn't you? So, how did that affect your attitude to modelling them? 
when I left school, I went and got a job with BR, and uh, I started off in the ticket offices. So after a while, I had a, a hatred of passengers. <laughs> um, so my model railways turned to being largely freight only. <laughs> so enough of them at work, I didn't want them at home as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, then when I started modelling American, obviously it's a totally different approach from the British way where to a British model the train is the, the unit mm-hmm. but to an American model they, they worked the individual freight car or wagon yeah. and uh, that is a whole different way of operating and it opened my eyes up a lot and brought a lot more interest to the hobby mm-hmm. yeah so routing individual wagons yeah cars. yes whenabouts did you take an interest in the American scene then um, early 1980s, I got, uh-huh. well, no, the late 70s, I got some Engage, and then in the early 80s, I tried HO, and I, I fell in love with the HO, because it ran that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard yeah. some British blow stuff. So, if you got into American in the 80s, and I got into American HO at around about that same time, and yeah, it was the running quality of the models yeah and uh, the the old Athern blue box that's it i mean you you made them you made the waxes yeah. to run you on, your on yourself and that yeah. yeah god i mean that's one reason why it's they lovely. were so yeah that was and, that, and it they, was it was it, that was a re- revelation that was even a whole now thing. 40 years on they still run perfectly yeah yeah that's it yeah i mean i still do have some blue box stuff in my basement as well yeah and i think i might even have an old dmir duluth wasabi and iron range caboose that i haven't even made yet but yeah the metal handrails and stuff like that tom you must have some memories of that kind of stuff oh yeah i got a bunch of that on my layout most of my stuff is atherin blue box Uh uh-huh and yeah, and now there's, there's there's quite the demand for that stuff now, from what I can gather as well, from the serious collectors. Uh, I don't know. I just put my hand up as being against the collectors there, then, because I take the stuff apart and rebuild it. That's something we can discuss. It's like, yeah, as you know, I'm into like classic cars, and it's like, yeah, I'm, I, there are people who will take their 1926 Model T Ford, and it'll be lovingly recreated as it was when it rolled off the production line and then there are those people who will like rip the motor out and put a chevy v8 engine in it and do all kinds of stuff with it yes so uh well lots of the rail buses yeah it's um it's nothing to do with micro layouts but the big layout i've got in the garage are lots of them at rail buses on there Mm -hmm. so m30 yeah and i've used the hf scale mechanisms underneath the bodies of the buses still running yeah, and that's what they—that's what they did on the prototype, wasn't it? It's like they would take a bus body and they would like stick a, well, it's sort of a car like a or bush, a chassis or something like that underneath it. I mean, I've, I'm sure you and I have seen the same videos on YouTube of like cars that have just been like put on yeah. truck, truck rails. Yeah, that, yeah. So, in, incidentally, this is totally off, totally off track. Oh, excuse the pun. And you can edit this out later if you like, Tom. But I was on Monday when I had my day off work because of the cold. I went into Glencoe, which is a local town. And it also has to the coffee shop. And it was also has the railroad running through it. I got to the main road. The railroad was actually blocking 
the main road because they were putting a high railer on the track. So, I mean, they were just like, drove it into line and put the front feeder wheels on and then they'd have to like drive it forwards and drive it back so that the the rear the driving wheels would be on the rails before they could put the rear guide wheels on so yeah made me late for the coffee shop but it was quite interesting to watch anyway but that's an aside and you can you can edit like that one out of the show if you like tom that's good no that's staying in (laughs) (laughs) so what then Bob, what was the attraction of micro layouts for you? Because, I mean, you'd been in railway modeling for a long time before then, and I've seen your websites and your old models, and you had some really interesting stuff. So what was the attraction for the micro? Um, I've always gone for the small layouts because you can pick them up and take them to an exhibition yeah. rather than just using them at home. But uh, in the mid-1990s... Um, by that time, I was working in the Railway Telegraph office at Manchester, and the office closed and the job moved to Crewe. So rather than commuting every day, I moved, but I didn't want to live in Crewe, so I, I bought a small house in Sandbach, and a small house isn't very good for lots of little layouts, so the layouts just got smaller and smaller, as it mm-hmm. was. Half me German electrics and me American diesels and me British steam and, and, and somewhere to run them all on different little layouts. I can hear you on the small house here because, like, yeah, my house is my house is pretty darn small. It's, in fact, it's only 950 square feet, so it's not very big at all. But, yeah, this is the thing. It's the space thing. So, it, yeah. One thing that we noticed about your layout, a lot of your layouts, Bob, is we'll need to talk about these unconventional baseboards that you use, like clementine boxes and tea trays and... Uh, plastic jerry cans i mean clementine boxes come free from the supermarket with clementines in them mm-hmm. and um, they're about what an a4 sheet of paper sized so they're they're a challenge to put a, a model in uh-huh. and uh, they're made of mdf so they're, they're actually quite good for working with there's, there's some of technical a lot i've used for storing rolling stock in and a few are made into layouts uh-huh. And others I've just taken about and used for the sheet material in them because it's it's free. Yeah. And the plastic bottles were from last job I had, which was driving for a dry cleaners. Yeah. And he goes through these huge detergent bottles at quite an alarming rate, uh-huh. and they just get thrown in the skip. So I said one day, I said, could I have one of them? He says, yeah, of course you can. Looking rather puzzled. And uh, that's what became Farrell Sidings. The uh, the little uh, tuning fork. Yeah. That's ultra portable. I've taken it from Sandbach to London on the train and on the underground to get to do a show down there with it by public transport out and back in the day with the layout. I secretly have this dream of building a, a portable layout that I can take on a transatlantic flight from Minneapolis to like somewhere in England for a train show. It's like that would be the ultimate for me but it's like what kind of like problems did you did you have to like uh, work your way around when you were making that because i mean I, I can see with the clementine box being something really stiff and rigid easy to work with but a plastic jerry can there's got to be a lot of flexibility yeah, the jerry in there you can needed a, a plywood base in the bottom of it first uh-huh. a hole cut in the end for the fiddlestick to come out of but it's got a fairly big hole in the front so that you can get into and work around Mm-hmm. It went together eventually. 
And uh-huh. I, I built another one since as well, which was a lot easier having done the first one because I knew uh-huh. what I was doing then. What was the reception of the viewing public to a layout in a jerry can? <laughs> they thought it was quite amusing. <laughs> I think some didn't actually recognise what it was until they stole the screw top on the end of it. Hmm. They just thought it was a you know a fiberglass shaped baseboard. Uh-huh. It's not. It's it's soft plastic. Yeah. Um, it, because when you see that it's got a, a red screw cap on the end of it, which is quite obvious when you you look at that uh, what it was then. I think that's so clever that that you can like take these everyday household objects and subvert them into like model railway baseboards. That's that's very cool. I wish I had your brain power and that creativity. But, uh, something else you are remarkably good at, Bob, if I have to say, is you are the master of the play on words with some of your layouts. That that sounds like a lifetime of crossword puzzles to me. Oh, I do crosswords daily. <laughs> My biggest regret from school days was giving up Latin uh-huh. in the third year because in adult life when I started doing crosswords I've realised where a lot of our language comes from mm. and I should have kept Latin on. Uh-huh. That's easy with hindsight. But yes, I do crosswords and I have a, a warped sense of humour. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because um, refresh my memory. What there was, uh, there was little little o sidings. Was little it? o, little uh, well, little little o. Yes, was a, an o scaled out that was little, uh-huh. so little o. And um, I gave that away. Well, no, I didn't give it away. I swapped it for some track, and I built another one which was a mill. So that's little o mill because it's. It's little, it's uh, when it's got a mill on it. <laughs> Portable was very obviously named because it was portable. Uh, the is in the, the box. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so what's the um, Altnabart? Altnabart. Yeah. Altnabart. It's right in front of me now, that the little uh, pizza layout. It's in the corner of the living room. <laughs> it's it's spelt like a, a Scottish place name, but it's um, it's pronounced more or less Altnabart. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what the train does. It comes out, goes round and about, and back again. <laughs> oh, we've got to have a sense of humour about this. I'm so much fun. So it's like all these layouts you've got. It's like how many micros have you built? I honestly could not answer that question, Ian. I don't know. Over the years, I really don't know. I um, when I was preparing for this interview, I, I had a scout around the house and counted them. And there's over 20 wow. in the house at the moment. In the past, I've built them, got fed up of them and taken them apart again that often. That mm-hmm. I've just lost track. Yeah. I like I, building rather than operating. Yeah, yeah. I expect you probably build some and then forget about them, don't you? Yes. <laughs> and then I find an old photograph and I think, oh, I remember that. <laughs> I've forgotten about it completely. Yeah. yeah. Which you say you've like forgotten some of them, you've thrown some of them away, you've like sold some on. But what are what are the memorable ones for you? Because I, I know that I'm I'm gonna gonna embarrass you here with my effusive pra- praise for my favourite of yours, Green End Quarry. I mean that was one of the first the first layouts I saw on Carl's website, one of the earlier micros that I saw on Carl's website and and that one that one just blew me away with with the concept and the execution 
and the viewpoint and everything. I, I that, that is that is one of the best micros that I've ever seen, and I will say that till the day I die, Bob. Green End wasn't planned; it, it evolved. I went to a model railway show in Hazel Grove with a friend of mine, and there was a, a G-scale diesel loco for sale there, quite cheap. And I said, oh, that's nice. And, he, and my mate said, well, I'll buy it then. And I said, I've got nothing to run it on. He said, well, build something. So I bought this loco on one wagon. Uh-huh. And I took it home. And I had no G-scale track to run it on, but I had some O-scale track. So I took that apart and re-gauged it. Oh, I didn't realise it was re-gauged. Yes, it's very, very light rail. I think that's what made it look so good. It had such thin rail on it, whereas mm-hmm. G-scale rail is quite heavy. Yeah. But it had, uh, is it code 124 rail? Yeah. Flexible mm-hmm. oil gauge. And I thought, right, well, I'll build it as a little tiny mill with the wagon coming out and tipping into it and going back again. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, the fiddle yard end could have the quarry on. And that's, that's how it turned into two scenes. Was, uh, it just evolved. I built the mill first. And yeah. then decided that instead of the fiddle yard, it could have the, the quarry loading it at the other end. And it was great fun to operate because it was that simple. Mm-hmm. You just drove the train backwards and forwards and, and shoveled stones in. And you've also got something happening at both ends to, like, keep viewers occupied you know you've got the loading and the unloading and micros need working features like that they do if it was just the wagons local and one wagon shuttling backwards and forwards it would be the most boring thing on earth yeah but because g-scale wagon is the size of a pint pot nearly isn't it mm-hmm. yeah size of, a, size of a half pint pot and it's made of plastic and when you drop pebbles into it because I, I used aquarium gravel for the yeah. wood when you drop them in, it makes a noise, so it gets the attention of whoever's looking. Mm-hmm. And they have a look underneath the, the tipple and to see what's going on. I had a little tiny torch inside yeah. the building, shining straight down at the wagon mm-hmm. to light it up when it was being loaded. And then at the other end, again, it made a noise when it tips out, yeah. which attracted attention to it. It worked incredibly well. Even with all the stone dust that was around, the logo yeah. never gave me any problems. Uh-huh. It was lovely. I've been yeah. selling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've actually learned something about this layout. I did not realise it was, like, regaged, and I didn't know about the torch inside. Look, So, well, I've, I've learned something. Cool. But, uh, yeah, it's um, just, like, the whole thing together just, like, worked so perfectly. The, the base of it was an MDF frame that one of the shops I was delivering to was throwing out. Yeah. And the plywood, very thin ply, came from a battery importer in Manchester. And they imported battery pallets. Uh-huh. And obviously pallets have gaps in them. So these pallets, they had a thin sheet of plywood underneath the batteries to stop them dropping through. Um, again, these thin sheets of ply just got thrown in the skip, so picked a load of them up one day when I was in Manchester with the van. You know, free materials again. Mm-hmm. I'm skin flint. <laughs> <laughs> you're not Scottish, are you, Bob? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you're not, not a careful Yorkshireman. You're from the other side uh, of the mother's from Yorkshire. <laughs> I, have, I have some black blood. No, that is, and of course, the thing is, it's like being a Lincolnshire lad like I am. I mean, you did post that video of Green End Quarry at the Lincoln Show. Yeah, and I have attended shows at the Museum of Lincolnshire Life 
with uh, with layouts and just so there was an, if i hadn't have been living in america i'm certain that i would have come to that show and we would have actually met there then bob and we would have i would have taken for you for a pint afterwards ah uh, yes i i did actually it was a two-day show so yeah. uh, steve put me up in a hotel overnight so nice nice well, around the city but uh, i'm getting too old for drinking on my own i didn't enjoy it i just <laughs> And another another layout of yours that I've liked is Park Hall Holt. I think you still have that one, don't you? I still have that one. Yes, it's um, it started off as part of a modular layout. Roof was built. Very very loose arrangements because it only came together at shows. Mm-hmm. So we had little tiny, we had like four inch long link sections between yeah. the board. Is that the Cheshire Railway Modellers or the Connected Railway Modellers? S- same group, we changed our name as we got, as we spread out and began nothing <laughs> to do with Cheshire really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically it was half an inch above table level for the track and you could do what you liked with it as long as it plugged into these four inch link sections. And Park Hall Holt was one of these modules and I've still got it because I, I love it. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's based on a real place, yeah. which I think the Cambrian Railway Society is trying to reopen. I'm not sure how they'll get their trains across the, the A5 Street <laughs> bypass on the local crossing, <laughs> but uh, good luck to them. Yeah. I saw the photo in a book. I just thought that would make a lovely model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I found out where it was, and I went. it's about a 40-minute drive from home, so I went and had a look at it. And I just thought, well, I've got to make a model of this. And yeah. That's mm-hmm. how it came about. Yeah. And I think part of the attraction is it's a real place. And it is a, you, you do have a short platform on view because part of the platform goes under the railway, under the road yeah, bridge, the, doesn't the, it? The bridge bisects the platform. So yeah. you only need half the station, mm-hmm. in, which makes it perfect for, for a micro. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, it's just, it does, it perfectly captures the atmosphere of place as well i think that's uh you don't you don't need any more than that because you've like distilled the essence of that place into like a couple of feet a couple of square feet so it's cool well, the last time it went out to a show was uh 2013 i think mm-hmm. and that was at oswestry station ah it, it was just park hall halt between a couple of fiddlesticks mm-hmm. and i was just running dmus backwards and forwards on it and I had a good day. A lot of local people recognised it instantly. Mm-hmm. It was sort of one stop down the line from where it really was. And on the morning when I was going to the show, I, I stopped off at the Holt and took a photograph of the Holt at the Holt. At the Holt, yeah. <laughs> I put the model on the track and took a photograph of it because uh, the line is it's, it's very overgrown, but it is still there. Mm-hmm. You've got a place like Park Hall, which is obvious for the inspiration for a layout, but some of these, where do you get the inspiration for? Where does inspiration strike you for a micro? Photos, usually. Just yeah. a photo of anything, you know, a little industry or a, just a bridge, anything. The second of the jerry can layouts, as you call them, is a, a bridge that looks like it's made out of scrap iron, which is... so. It's based on the Lockhart and Arrogage Railway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Photographs is like the big thing for me. And it's like, that's the, the one thing with a lot of your micros is it's just the photograph scene. You don't have anything other than what you would see in a photograph. 
You don't have any extraneous pieces off at the side. It's just that one scene. There's not a lot of room for it in a micro layout, though. <laughs> you can't model the, the cricket pitch next to Old Trafford Station. <laughs> ah. Are you there, Tom? Yes, I am. Oh, so you got bored and <laughs> no, 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 I'm just actually just cutting out some of my questions because you've already covered them, but I do have one. I want to just uh, say the first time that I ever noticed your work, Bob, was actually a layout. It was an N-scale layout. It was an American railroad, but it was the San Vince de Rey, and I found out that's actually a play on words for a sandwich tray. Yeah. So you built that out of a sandwich tray. And when I looked at that, San Vince de Rey, that just blew me away. And I mean, it's it's not a complicated layout. It was, It's really pretty basic. I mean, it's a basic angle look, but um, I really liked it. And it just really, there was just something about it with the overpass that you had uh, to, to hide where the, you know, the off staging, where it comes on staging for the fiddle yard. And it really is the inspiration for the very first uh, micro I attempted. I had planned a few and then had a couple different ideas this was the one that I was going to build it as a display. And Ian, you'll probably remember this because on my old blog, you used to comment on it. But it was going to be a, a locomotive repair facility. I was going to build it to display my freight cars and things. I made it out of foam, and, and I had some old fiberboard that I had that I put it together with. And matter of fact, it just went out in the trash the other day because it was in storage, and it all rusted up and everything. So I just I decided, well, I moved beyond it. But... That was the first thing that got me thinking about really getting serious about building a micro. And actually, it was a stepping stone that led to me building my Wetter Route Food Services micro, which is the first micro that I ever finished. It's the only layout I ever finished. Today, actually, is its five-year anniversary. I have to give you credit, Bob. You really were the inspiration with that uh, San Vince de Rey layout, that N-scale layout. Again, it's a container thing. It's the challenge of building on something else, like putting it in a box. This one went on the tray. Does that still exist? It does, yes. I was I was looking at it yesterday, actually, because I had to move it to get something else. Okay, neat. You when you've got so many things that you need to look at. <laughs> so where do you put all your layouts? Most of them are stacked in, in a spare wardrobe or on top of the wardrobe or okay. on or under a spare bed. Do you get them out from time to time to play with them, or are there some that have I just been... I out all the time. Like out and about, as I commented earlier, it's, it's in the, the corner of the front room. It's uh, it's like an ornament on top of the, the sideboard. That's and neat. I pull out and just set that running and watch the train going around while I'm listening to the radio or doing a crossword. Neat. Um, we, uh, San Fernando Shed, little Owen 30 micro layout, is kept on the front room table. I use it as a, a safe storage place for stuff I'm working on. Like mm-hmm. Any rail cars or wagons or that, that I'm making, just put them on there when I'm not doing it. Back on the cartel group, I thought I remembered, was it Dave Carson? Did he buy one of your old micros? No, I gave it to him. It was oh, okay. the, the one with the French Picasso rail car on it. Okay. Uh, I can't remember if that was the case or what. I, I thought it was Dave that yeah, it is Dave up. Carson. He still got it, I think. That's neat. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago he posted about that on the group. Got me curious about what you do with them all, and it sounds to me like you, apart from a few maybe here or there, you, you, so, you've got so, them all so, and you're still playing with them. Some I think, you know, well, I wouldn't pay for it, so I don't expect anybody <laughs> else to pay for it. I don't but know. Dave, there's, been a, there's been a few on there I wouldn't mind having myself. It didn't cost so much to send them over from England to the United States. Well, <laughs> the posts might be a bit expensive. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, going back to Ian's transatlantic... Uh, 
portable layout, I think uh, it, it might have a problem getting the wiring through the x-rays. Well, you, <laughs> yep, you, you're you not wrong there in, in this day and age. I think you're absolutely right there, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, hey, Bob, do you have any advice for those modelers that are just getting started with modeling? Not necessarily brand new modelers, but modelers that maybe work with larger layouts who are wanting to try building a micro. Yes, I'd say don't go for end scale, go for something bigger and think small. Um, Just have a local and a couple of wagons instead of a local and a three-coach train. An end scale freight car is about the same size as a British 00 scale wagon, lengthwise. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's the wagon's wider. Mm -hmm. Go big, don't go Mm -hmm. small. Your your baseboard's small, that doesn't mean your trains have got to be small. That's a really prevalent right now on the cartel and on the seven-eighth scale group. Yes. Because what they are doing in four square feet just blows me away. Mm -hmm. That is some of the most creative use of four square feet that I've seen in a long time. And their scale makes GN15 look small, doesn't it? Gosh, it does. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like I dabbled with me seven, eight stuff as well, as you know. And it's like, yeah, I I still can't physically get my head around the size of stuff. I mean, good grief. You could build a T-scale layout on a flat wagon, you know? (laughs) So. There's a hell of a lot of weight in it as well, Mm -hmm. which is what makes it run so well. Yeah. Stays on the track. Well, thanks, Bob. Thanks for sharing your insights and memories with us today that was great i enjoyed that and i've learned something about green end quarry as well which is which is great for me um one thing that uh, perhaps our listeners won't be aware of is that when this podcast goes out in march this will be marked 10 years since the passing of carl arndt and as carl was the uh, the godfather, if you like, of the micro model railway. I thought it only right that we shared memories of him as a kind of like a look back and uh, a little retrospective on what he did, what he did for micro layouts and uh, and everything. As like, because uh, thinking back, yeah, I mean, it's like it must have been not long after I moved to America, got married. One of the first things that my wife and I did was we bought a computer. Because the internet was a, just a fledgling thing then. that uh, We could use a computer to email family and everybody back home. And, yeah, so we had a computer and we had this thing called AOL. <laughs> and when I was, like, surfing the internet, I was looking for model railways. The Square Foot Estate Railway was one of the first things that came up in my search and... Uh, yeah, I was, I'd always been like interested in small layouts. I built many small layouts that would be micro layouts when I was even living in England. I I built one, a narrow, a 009 layout in an Airfix model kit box. I mean, I didn't know much about like making your baseboards rigid and anything like that when I built this, but I did build a 009 terminus layout in a airfix model kit box the airfix eagle transporter from space 1999 <laughs> so and that was done that was a long time before, before be on a par with a shoebox size, yeah it? yeah it would be yeah similar sort of size to a shoebox yes yeah. so, so 
and then I discovered Carl's layout, Carl's website, and the square foot, and I thought, wow, people are really building tiny model railway layouts, and uh, so it, was, it was like a, a kindred spirit to me, and it's like, so I, I emailed him and told him I thought the site was great, and the thing with Carl, he was always so friendly. You know, he was like... He had this knack of making you feel like you were his best mate. He was always friendly and willing to share information and inspiration. So it was so I mean, I had a many, many a long email conversations with him about all kinds of stuff. You know, we would like share projects. I mean, it's like one day he emailed me and says, I found these drawings online of a rail car. Do you want to have a competition to see if we can build a model of them? I was like, oh, okay, let's see what I can do. So he sent these drawings and photographs of, like, this old narrow-gauge rail car over, and I was like, well, yeah. So over the next week or so, we, like, shared our progress with, like, building these models together. And we also had uh, Steve Bennett was in from yes, Black yeah and uh, from 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 black dog black dog models and it's like uh, he would advise us on the way to solve certain problems in the construction of the models and it's like yeah carl would like do that all the time he would like come up with ideas and share them he was a great guy and i think the important thing to remember is it's like uh, there were like say there were micro layouts before carl came along and there were GN15 existed before he came along, but he pulled the two together. Yeah. That was the uh, reason behind the boom in micro layout, I think. The small layout scrapbook was mentioned in Railway Modeler, I don't know, 2005, something like that, mm-hmm. 2006 maybe. And that's when I noticed it because we didn't have a computer at home at the time. Yeah. Me, my wife printed off quite a few pages of the scrapbook at mm-hmm. work and brought them home for me to see. And that's what really convinced me that I wasn't a nutter making small layouts because <laughs> everybody else does it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not everybody else, but loads of other people do it as well. Mm-hmm. And then when we got the computer at home, the first place I went was small layout scrapbook. Mm-hmm. And from that, I did discover Natterbox Forum. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we met, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, yes, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, I remember that uh, like, I contributed like some plans and designs for the first two of the books that he self-published as well. I mean, that's when you get an idea of how important this little old website became, the fact that he could like self-publish a book that was sold around the world as well brought together modelers from around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the forum, they tend to be sort of centred on their own country, don't they? Yeah. They may have overseas members as well, but they're mainly, you know, you, you'll get a German forum in Germany and an mm-hmm. English one in England and loads of American ones in America. But the uh, the small layout scrapbook was truly international. The amazing modelers from Japan that uh, showed their work on it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was wonderful the scrap i still go back and look on the scrapbook every now and then i'll get on there and i'll spend a couple hours going through all those old posts it's just mm. still a lot of inspiration for me 
you forget what you were looking for in the first place. When you, <laughs> yeah, and as, as you get older, it seemed to forget more often. So it's kind of like, wow, I don't remember this one. <laughs> you can always rediscover something. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah it's yep. like there's there is so much out there. That's it. Yes. Oh, and oh, so uh, you did mention earlier, Bob, that uh, something about wagon from Carl's Square. Oh, yes. The, the square foot, I think it was wagon number four from the square foot estate. It went on a world tour. We got it in Cheshire fairly early on in the tour. I took it to a model railway show at Rain Hill, the Raynal Model mm-hmm. Railway local show. And we had a, a modular GM15 layout there. And this wagon was running on it. And a lot of the people that were at the show actually recognised the wagon. So his website was well read. Oh, certainly, yeah. Cool. Oh, it would have been cool to have had one of Carl's square foot wagons running on pure spring watercrest, oh, but I think... I, I think have a lot of photographs of it, but yeah. unfortunately the, the website on webs.com doesn't exist yeah. anymore, so the uh-huh. photos are lost. Yeah. There's no reason for putting stuff on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, as I say, this wagon was well recognised, so mm-hmm. people knew Carl. Yeah, indeed. I remember first hearing about Carl, actually it was from, um, I don't know if you all ever heard of it but years ago uh, here in the united states there was a gentleman by the name of ryan anderson he has since passed away from cancer it's been a few years now since he's been gone but he had a show called the model railcast show and that's when i first started uh, he's one of the early podcasts for model railroad that was out but anyway you could be a supporter of the site kind of like a patreon type thing but it was you know predecessor to all that and i was a member of that and they had a bulletin board where you could talk about stuff and they, this guy kept coming on there posting about micro layouts. Ian, I had already met you on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, you interacting with my old blog page. I didn't know anything about micros. This guy named Professor Kleisler started posting this stuff. And for some of you probably know Professor Kleisler from his Brooklyn 3AM and his Chicago Fork micro layouts. But he kept posting on there because the host, it wasn't so much Ryan, but some of the other people on there were talking about, well, those are just operating dioramas. And the professor, it, I mean, He's this man. He's from Australia. He's he's got a ton of knowledge, and he would start posting on, and and he started quoting Carl Arndt. And I kept thinking Carl Arndt. So he finally had posted a link. So I went back and I checked out Carl's site. I was blown away. I mean, I could not believe that there were that many models. And then when I went to the scrapbook, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. I was hooked. As I was going through some of the layouts, I kept seeing Ian Holmes. And I thought. Ian, I thought, is, I wonder if that's the same Ian. <laughs> so finally I figured out it is him. Because <laughs> at that time, weren't you living in Princeton at, yep, at, at one it, time? Yeah. And mm-hmm. there was something that I thought, that is Ian. So that's when I started talking to Ian about it. Then, of course, Bob, I spotted your layout. And that's where my interest took off. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to visit with Carl online or to interact with him. Because by the time I was getting into it he was already sick and of course it wasn't too long after that that he passed away but i'm never going to forget carl i mean it's i stood back and i thought oh i wish carl was still here because his work it is so inspiring another thing that i was thinking about just now it's like uh you think about carl's influence on the hobby it's like where things went after he passed you know we didn't have the micro layout design gallery or anything like that and it's like so things things sort of like drifted apart, and that's where you get people thinking that like a micro layout is like ten square feet and, yeah. and things like that, you know. So yes, 
a lot of people on Facebook would post their uh, what they they call it a micro, and you know it, it's eight before. That's, mm-hmm. that's a massive layout by English standards. Yeah. Now four square feet is a perfectly well logically thought out kind of like uh, size. Uh, yeah, and it's, it, it it saddens me a lot that it's like four square feet is like too small and they can't do anything with it and so hmm. well my answer to that is like look what the guys in are doing on the seven eighth scale for i mean that's there you just, go yeah. bingo that's yeah. it yeah Don't absolutely put, you know, an engaged main line in it put a yeah. g-scale siding yeah it'll have a lot yeah. more fun because it'll work mm-hmm well, Bob, we're going to have that halt station challenge one of these days. Ian, we got to sit down and write that up and post that up <laughs> for everybody. But we are going to do that this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing people's work. That's going to do it for episode 13 of Cartel Conversations. I want to thank Ian, our regular co-host on the show, but also our special guest, Bob Hughes. Bob, thanks for being on tonight. We're so glad to have you on. Thank you for inviting me. It's been uh, an education talking to you both. Thank you. It's been fun. It's just been like three guys talking model trains, and what can be better than that on a chill winter day? Toy trains, that's it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we hope you all have a good day. We will catch you next month. Thanks for listening.